0: Hello everyone and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn alongside media executive Grail Hallett, an OTB producer and Syria specialist, a young man watching this Italian team with bated breath. Uh, Today on OTB, we get to catch up with the general, Bob Lee, former longtime Emmy Award winning host over at ESPN. It is not the same watching the Euros without him at the helm, I'll tell you that. Uh, We get Bob's thoughts and considerable insights in all the comings and goings of uh, Euro 2020 thus far. And... um, and what I witnessed, you know, th- this guy, guys, he was one of the hardest working men I ever knew. Like when I, this podcast, when Over the Ball was at ESPN, I mean, he'd leave because he lived in the town next to me. He would leave at 530 in the morning. He wouldn't be home till 630, 7 o'clock at night. And then he'd get home and the stories would change he'd have a show all set and then all of a sudden something would break in the news so uh so it would be great to talk to bob lee about the euros and about life uh, now that he's retired living in a bunker somewhere in an undisclosed location hanging out with his grandchildren sounds good um guys a lot going on with the euros obviously a copa u.s men's national team mls a lot of interesting soccer stories out there that we're going to get to but before we get to them guys what are you over today on over the ball sam
1: yeah, I, I'm over the US not being in the Copa America. Uh it's a very odd tournament, I think, to begin with. The fact that they have to invite two teams to make up the, you know, the yeah. numbers to get twelve so they can have three groups and then two of the third place teams go through anyway. I, I just mm-hmm. I think it would be so cool for everyone involved if there was a true like American tournament incorporating all of the Americas. Uh so yeah, that's all I got. All right, cool. that's enough. I mean,
0: it seems like it would be logical, right? There's got to be a reason why the U.S. is not. Involved. Well, it's
1: two different federations, right? And they have to get on right. the same page. And you know, I'm sure some of the smaller CONCACAF countries probably wouldn't love it because the the chances of them qualifying might go down. But right, I don't know. I mean, you get to play a much better competition, and I, to me, it's a no brainer. Okay, Grail, what are you over? I'm over the following four
2: cliches slash expressions. Front foot, chasing shadows, between the lines, and asking questions. And I'm going to pin all of those squarely on the shoulders of one Taylor Twelman, who during the course of any broadcast will use these things multiple, I mean, dozens of times. It's gotten to the point where friends and I, if I was still drinking, we could make this into a drinking game. We actually text each other back and forth and have a list of the number of times that each one of those expressions are used during a game. And Say them
0: again. What are they? Okay. Front foot. Front foot. Okay. So wait, so a team's on their front foot. Yeah, being on the front uh, foot. Okay. And that's, is that kind of an American colloquialism? Uh, it's just
2: become, it's gotten into the lexicon and I just find it to be very overused. You, you, you don't, don't hear guys like John champion use it a lot, but it is a little bit more. American. Well,
0: first of all, they're English and they have better word choices yeah. than we are. And, and whatever okay. they relax, we're going to go through each one grill. You're in a rush here to get through. These, no, but, no I'm yeah. not, I'm keep going. Um, this this is again goes to my point about Americans finding their own voice and their own expressions, uh, and that's why as soccer players we know when someone's not a player, and they do a broadcast, a soccer broadcast, it does not ring true. All right, so go ahead, front foot like number that two, remote. chasing yep. shadows. Does he use that every game? That that would be a rarely every game. used one. Doesn't really. Game every game by the way other guys do too but
2: taylor loves these especially what
0: chasing shadow meaning um when they're playing tiki-taki? well yeah you're you're yeah,
2: you're just kind of I, I think of it as being kind of frenetic like the other teams dictating the play and you're kind of chasing right right, right. so you're a step behind if you're chasing a shadow you're clearly a step got behind. it
0: mm-hmm. okay good expression between relax. the wait, lines wait wait to oh. relax okay uh a chasing shadows i like that but Man, you use that once every you don't five like it games. Six times a match. Right, exactly. Okay. What's the yeah. next one? Grail? Number
2: three. Grail's had his lines, coffee this morning,
0: Sam. Jesus.
2: Was, no, between the lines, which uh, Ali Moreno also, by the way, he uses quite a few of these himself, but Taylor would be at the top of the chart for the use right. of that. Between the lines and then asking questions. And it can just be inserted. In what, in in what that, regard is. Uh, well, <laughs> well, you know, Germany must be asking questions about what's going on with um with the with the the push that england's making that's that's not a great example but again it's just the idea that uh that the the team that's out there or the coach is like you know and anyway i all of them in a vacuum are fine four of them constantly over the course of 90 minutes is like a blitzkrieg
0: well i'm sure the producers will mention that i you know i'm sure they will because i i I had a couple of you know, things that I would do over and over. You don't even know you're doing it half the time. And part of it is, you know, uh, you know, doing more games and finding your rhythm. Um, So, all right. Or developing your own terms. I mean, just to close that, Flinny, the one thing,
2: one of my dad's favorite expressions was people who use cliches do it because they can't say things in their own words. And I think it's on it's incumbent on each one of those broadcasters to come up with their own stuff instead of just stealing the same things and using them over and over again.
0: Well, not stealing is a little too harsh, perhaps. But I think when you say appropriating, when you say asking questions, I mean I think part of it is. Well, what are those questions? You're the right. journalist, and you're you're in there. All right. So, uh, guys, gave you a homework assignment last week. Uh, as the teacher who gave the assignment, I did not even complete the assignment myself. So uh, <laughs> I asked you guys to watch the women's uh, national team's PR campaign push for LFG. Um, yeah, um, let's. We got to come up with an acronym that works for that one because man, let's I, F and I, go. I, I, well, that's what it actually is yeah. saying, uh, uh, laugh, uh, facts gone or something. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, um, let's watch it next week and then we'll discuss it. Cause you guys obviously are going to have a detention because you didn't do it. So, uh, yeah. all right. So Sam, you want to do a little quiz up front this week instead of at the end of the show, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah. So I got a little carried away with my quiz as I sometimes do, uh, and it ran up to about Twelve questions. So we ran to twelve yep. questions. So yeah. I figured that. Uh, as they all have to do with the euro, we might as well just do it at the beginning and uh, use it okay. as a way to to talk about some of the the games so far and what's to come. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking more at sort of the underlying stats, and obviously this is a, a smaller sample size with you know the teams have played what four four games at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. you know there are still some things that stood out and I think are are worthy sure. of a mention. Um, so these stats, just to point out, cover the entire tournament field unless mentioned. However, the answers are only regarding the remaining teams. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And the stats are coming from either whoscored.com or fbref.com. And I have some odds from DraftKings we're going to look at later too. I apologize if anything has been updated since I looked at them because I know things do change. Uh, Anyway, question number one, which two teams are averaging the most shots on target per game at 7.3? Team that's an S there, huh? I'm going mm-hmm. to say which Spain
0: and Italy. Yeah, I'd say Italy, actually. And
2: That's one.
1: That's two. one. <laughs> you need a second one. Uh, on goal, Swiss. Okay, we have Spain and Denmark. Oh, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. Crafty. Uh, yeah. I yeah. I tell you, I'm rooting
0: for Denmark, man. I love those guys. It, uh, I hope it's, uh, you know, with the Ericsson thing and everything, it's
1: kind of a feel good story. Okay. Uh, yeah, so just uh, a follow-up on this. England, um, I apologize for this, Grail, are averaging only 2.5 shots on target per game. That yeah. puts them at 21 out of 24 for the entire tournament. Now, there right. is a glaring problem. I know. Right oh, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm well aware of that. They have so, maximized their shots on goal. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. they come in ahead of only Finland, Russia, and yeah. Slovakia. All yeah. of them were obviously eliminated. Out. Uh, wow. Okay. Question two: That's Which team is averaging the fewest shot attempts on target against at just one point one five a game?
2: So you mean uh, they're who's yeah. absorbing
1: the fewest number of shots? Yes,
2: who's allowing the least yes. number of shots? Before. Italy. I'm gonna uh, go with um, no. I'm not gonna go with Italy. I'm
1: gonna go with I'm gonna go with Switzerland. Okay, you're correct, Kevin. It is Italy at 1.15, which I found interesting because everyone is talking about how this is a new look, you know, mm-hmm. freewheeling Italian team, but at heart also, you know, not conceding very much. Well done. Uh, they, just, they just are so rarely out of position, the Italians. It's amazing how they keep their shape in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only goal they've up so far was on that header, which is a bit of a fluke because I have to say, Jorginho was supposed to be guarding the first post and he right. inexplicably just as you know aside. although that was an amazing header yeah
0: Say, sam let me ask you something though, because you Go you know on. you've spent a lot of time in italy you know the game well there um and i would assume that you've watched some of the developmental programs over there with players mm-hmm. young players mm-hmm. do they do they teach defense defense first and sort of, uh, is there a way, is there like the the Dutch way where everybody plays every position or, or, uh, it just seems like they're always so organized from the back up?
1: Yeah, no, there's not the Dutch approach where everybody plays every position by any means. Um, what you see and what has been a problem that was actually really picked up on after they failed to qualify for the world cup is that there's always been a high onus on winning at the lower levels, which means that, coaches have sort of papered over the cracks of their players inefficiencies Mm -hmm. rather than trying to teach them to be better players they've focused traditionally more on okay well how can we sort of hide the fact that this kid's not very fast right we'll play a more defensive positional game so i think that's more of where that's come that comes from also i have to say in italy when i played um, it's different now because they have the, uh, the field turf fields mainly, but you yeah. play most of the games on a on dirt, dirt field yeah. where the ball is incredibly difficult to control. So doing anything intricate, like one, twos, things like that is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's much easier to just kind of sit back and absorb pressure.
0: You know, that's, that's the thing. It's Good like, point. we've played in both games. we played on those dirt fields and then, then on the grass and they're not even the same games. not not even the same games you know so the beautiful game is on grass it really is that uh that rhythm and all that stuff so okay next yeah so sorry to
1: follow up on this this i've this was really the only interesting correlation i found throughout the whole thing but the four teams that have allowed the fewest shots uh on target per game which are in addition to italy england at 1.5 a game denmark at 1.75 and Spain at 1.85 hmm. are the four favorites for this weekend's quarterfinal matchups. So there is a definite correlation between defending well, not giving up high quality chances and success, at least uh, so far yeah. at the tournament.
2: And the level of the and, the and the and whoever the opponent is, obviously.
1: Yes, also for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, question three. Which team is averaging the most successful dribbles per game at 12.5? A dribble being, you know, taking someone on and beating them. I'd go with um, Italy. Dribble. I'd go with Spain. Okay, it's actually Belgium. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, you uh, got De Bruyne, man, and, uh, and Hazard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, he's not really a
2: dribbler. De Bruyne is a,
0: a facilitator. Oh, God, he is so efficient with what yeah. he does. He, he doesn't no, try wait. to beat
2: guys, though. He really doesn't. He just tries to move the ball
0: well he can he can yeah. be guys though yeah, yeah. I mean he's if just he has to such a smart player I just yeah. love watching him yeah so,
1: so uh, a follow-up on this of note Germany averaged a tournament low four point three successful dribbles per game so wow. looks like that may have been something uh well had lack of creativity to... in the midfield I would say that Croix yeah.
0: struggled a little bit and and didn't seem to have much help there it was the first one of the first times I remember watching the German team were just a little bit they were like faceless they were out of sorts no. you,
2: i mean you compare yeah. that team to what they did to that brazil team in the world cup right. in brazil yeah. i mean it's just like n- night and day of course a lot of those guys are a lot older too mm. right. so yeah
0: there were a lot of new faces so. I, I
2: i do think you know let's not write off germany moving forward though because hansi flick's gonna bring in a whole new wave of young talent and they're gonna be right yeah. back
1: I, I also think it's worth you know because we have yurgy low going out the door now for germany yeah. i do think it's worth looking back and I don't quite understand the this idea that he's overseeing some like golden age or revival of German soccer because he he was in charge for 15 years, and essentially his results are identical to the results they had the 15 years right. prior. How Germany I mean, is there is always there. It doesn't matter who's coaching. I'm telling so you. So like 2014, they won the World Cup, and Euro 28 they lost in the final. Those are his two big moments. You know, in the 15 years prior, they won one trophy, also Euro 96, and lost two finals, Euro 92 and the 2002 World Cup. So in some yeah. ways, you could say. They were better for the 15 years before. so a little so, bit I of don't... a
2: rom- romanticizing him, I oh, think. Yeah.
1: All their success was Jürgen Kl- uh, Klinsman. That's where all their success I, I, I think uh, Flick is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Which team has been dribbled past the least uh, in this tournament at just 3.5 per game? Remember, Belgium were averaging 12 I'm going to say England. Kevin? Dribbled past the least? Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's England, 3.5. Really? So kick England, anything
0: that moves. If, if it, it doesn't move. If, it, death, death, death. if it
1: down, take them out. Take them out. <laughs> no, it you' stuck in a mixer. <laughs> okay. uh, so right. this may be kind of an easy one, but which team has averaged both highest possession per game at 67.6% and the highest pass completion percentage at 89.5%? I'm going to say Spain. Spain. Yes. Say. Spain, correct. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So (laughs) a lot of the, a lot of these underlying numbers really seem to favor Spain. It's interesting. Uh, Okay. Which team has the lowest pass completion percentage at just 75.3%.
2: I'm going to say Ukraine.
0: As the train pulls in, you have to get on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two two. <laughs> uh, all right, I go with Ukraine as well. I guess that would make sense. It's actually the Czech Republic. So.
2: Okay, I was oh, definitely okay. going to go for one of those Eastern European teams.
1: Uh, okay, next question: Of the remaining teams, Switzerland has committed the most fouls per game with twelve.
0: Oh, so much for being neutral! Wow. <laughs> which
1: team? Which team has committed the least fouls per game at eight point five? I'm going to say Belgium say Denmark okay it's actually Ukraine which I find oh, really interesting because so they are probably the biggest surprise to have gotten this far and you would think they would have done it through kind of hacking their way hacking through. But, yeah yeah but, uh, that's uh, that's okay.
0: a very anti-anti-Ukrainian uh, statement that you made <laughs> yeah, generalize <laughs> with yep. people that's horrible you young guys you gotta really be more conscious <laughs> of that <laughs> so, uh, I said uh I, I called I called uh someone hun the other night which is a habit of trying to break myself it's oh, my terrible God, I said, just no, like... but. but then she was like uh dude i'm not your hun i'm like oh and i'm not yeah. a dude and then and then the woman at the coffee shop goes want more coffee hun and i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> i'm not your little
2: flinty's like a guest on the 1974 <laughs> version of the tonight show <laughs> it's like dean martin and buddy Hackett. exactly oh and i miss those
1: days <laughs> yeah exactly no, days, so. okay all right what awesome. else we got sam is that it no, we got a few more. Okay. Which the team on ha- top
0: of the show? All right. We got which to-
1: team has the highest average expected goals per game at 2.46? Belgium. I'm going to go with Italy. Okay. Spain. Oh. So creating a lot of chances, having a lot of the ball, but so far, not necessarily. They have
2: scored five in
1: each
0: of the last two games. So. we got we got to pick this up we got bob lee coming up okay
1: of the remaining teams which one has the lowest expected goals per game at just 0.92 ukraine i'm gonna go with switzerland okay it's england
2: oh oh i should have known that because of your other stat actually
1: Okay. A note on this: the only teams with a lower number than .92 were all eliminated in the group stage. That being Russia, Turkey, (laughs) Finland, Hungary, and Slovakia. Hey, which which we talked
0: to Bob Lee about this. Which basically he says backs up McManaman saying he didn't like the the the. Yeah, I
1: mean, I haven't been thrilled with
2: the style either, to be honest with you,
0: but. Uh,
1: okay. okay, switching over to Draftkings to look at a few odds here. Uh, with France out, who is now the favorite to win Euro 2020 at just over two to one? I'd say Italy. I'm gonna
2: go with Italy.
1: Okay, it's actually England, and I think that has most England. to do with the fact that they have a really favorable draw. They do to the final to get to the final. They, to oh, to the yeah. final. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Mbappe was the favorite uh, to win Player of the Tournament before it started. He is no longer. No, not anymore. Not anymore. He ...is now the favorite for the award at six to one odds? One,
2: one or two? Just one? Just one. I'm
1: going to go with Sterling. Kevin. To be in
0: the top goals. Jesus. No,
1: just player of the tournament, not top player of the scorer. tournament. Uh, I'd say De Bruyne. Okay, it's for Sterling. Well done, because he has three goals in four games. He has
0: that man is you know he is gives teams fits and stuff. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's fan. got the worst first touch oh. so if, somebody, if he had a touch he'd be messy
2: and decision making on like breaks where he's got Harry Kane wide open and he decides yeah. to just dribble the ball but, but he like, scores like, three goals so there you go but
0: like all of our us guys we've played with guys that like either don't track back defensively waste throw their hands yeah. up they're kind of annoying but if they put the ball in the back of the net exactly all is forgiven right so. yeah
1: okay final question Mason Mount and Phil Foden were the co-favorites to win young player of the tournament before it started they are no longer Who are the current joint favorites for the award at 3.5 to one odds? It's going deep. I don't know any. I don't
2: don't know how old. I'm going to go with. He hasn't played that much and I'm not sure how old he is actually. So that's, that's not a good start, but I'm going to go with Grealish. And uh, Pet, is it Pedri? Uh, Not Pedri. Who's the guy who plays on Spain?
0: Pedri. Yeah. Okay though you know really she's being underused i think and undervalued yeah. he's you know this is where the criticism is coming i don't even know enough to give you that answer Sam. all right it's
1: donnarumma the italy goalkeeper and pedri from spain okay so, you okay. yeah, halfway the two. there halfway yeah. there One of the two. all okay. right that's all i got
0: all right so that was good we did the quiz up Let's, front so, so that's the show, the show. <laughs>
1: thanks for joining us <laughs> i know
0: well we got to get to uh we got to get to bob in a, in a bit here but so um all right the quarterfinal matchup switzerland and spain july 2nd belgium italy um as well saturday july 3rd czech Republic and denmark and ukraine versus england england got lucky well they didn't get lucky if they had germany they had to get past germany so yeah um so uh, all right we don't have time to talk about a lot of the things we were going to talk about but um i want let's see what what should we talk about? i i'm excited about this uh fifa takes action against mexico finally now they take it because of the puta chant or puto uh the chance that they had but you know what's amazing to me is um I would be embarrassed as a Mexican fan by the behavior of the Mexican fans. And as the federation, as a player, I'd be embarrassed because not only do they do the puto thing, right, uh, over and over, but also, you know, throwing bottles and cans at, and the cups that they threw at the players. Not only that, but guys, did you see them? They have the show and the Mexican players going over and kicking the penalty spot, trying to rough it up before... Yeah, Palistic took his kick. I mean, it's just Bush League stuff at an international level, and as a country, I'd be embarrassed. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's been a long time coming, and uh, you know, I, I, I oh, still think chance, it, yeah, but they they don't even mention no. Oil I, oil. I I still I still think it's a little bit of a toothless thing. I think they find them sixty five thousand dollars, and they said. Oh, that's- uh, it, who cares. And then they basically said they got to play their next two official games in an empty stadium. Who cares. You know, once no, they I get,
0: care about that. That's an, that's a punishment. No, a punishment.
2: It, it's fine. Uh, you know, to me, once they start docking them World Cup qualifying points, that's where it sinks in.
0: Well, I think, you know, that's where Fan- I would go. Yeah, but I think banning fans from the game, two of them, that's going to take away a little bit of a home field advantage, I think, especially when your fans act so poorly. So, yeah. um, you know, it, maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're going to have every game without their fans there. At this and then,
2: stage, though, I would have just gone right
0: to the other thing because I think we've spent too much time saying we really mean it this time. And I then mean, I get, think, a sense if you watch who were the players, who were the Mexican players who went over to the penalty spot while things were going on, while they were protesting the penalty, and kicked up the kicked up the penalty spot. I think those players should be, you know, fined or suspended. I mean, these are the things that happen in Saturday Sunday pickup games where everybody yeah. acts like an idiot, right? So it's half the reasons we don't always play anymore because it's stupid stuff that happens. So anyway, Sam, we- what do
1: you think?
3: yeah, yeah i
1: team. I agree I mean you know the Mexican players it did seem like we're trying to get the fans to chill out at the game but I feel right. like any any kind of authority that they wielded was sort of undermined by going and kicking up the penalty spot um I mean I yeah I don't know not good behavior on on any level but i think you know when we talked uh a couple of weeks back to um, the guy from MLS soccer. I'm really sorry. I'm forgetting his name. I mean, his, his description of what the game means to Mexico versus what it means to us. I th- not that it excuses anything. But I think to them, the idea of losing to the United States is just this like well, horrible shame. Not that it excuses anything, but I think we're seeing some of the effects of that.
0: They they better get used to it. Um, you know, another thing, uh, Grail, I thought of you, you know, we we sort of follow uh, a lot of the racist things that happen in the game around the world. And it's usually Eastern European countries uh, or some foolish thing on Twitter in England or something. But it happened here in MLS um apparently a a racial incident yeah
2: it yeah it happened in the uh the portland um, game the portland the portland um i'm just going to my notes here so i've got it
1: yeah
2: it was was the uh the portland match um and uh portland minnesota excuse me for my delay there and uh yeah uh, um giovanni severisi who's the manager of portland apparently overheard it he told the referee um, it happened to Diego Charo, which is one of their players. And he was, um, Savarisi was kind of ticked off that the ref didn't really take any action. He stopped the game in the 65, 65th minute, but no further action. So MLS is investigated.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's always interesting. I would be really surprised if it's an American kid. If it's an American player, I really will, because the sensitivity that we have here so often a time, it's like, you know, we've noticed sometimes it's a person of color saying it to another person of color or a cultural difference where I I was watching one of the replays they showed. um, There was the Hungarian referee said uh, him over there, the black guy. Yeah. And the, and the player was like, why, what does my skin color have to do with anyone? Just say the player over there. And the guy was like, sorry, Hungarian translation. (laughs) So, uh, that'd be uh, pretty upsetting. I I hope that's not the case, but uh, if it's, if Gianni Severisi's heard it, I mean, that's, he's pretty legit. So, Hey, um, in other news here, U S men's national team, we watched this kid play for the uh, under twenties, 19 year old Conrad de la Fuente, uh, transferred from Barcelona to Marseille on a four year deal. So, um, you know, he's, he's quite a player. He's fun to watch. So I'm glad he's getting some time as Grail goes through his notes. We, uh, Lefende was born in Miami to Haitian parents. He moved to Spain to attend the Barcelona Academy. So he's been over there for a while. Um, he made his debut against Wales. So, or what, uh, or what Grail would call, what did you, what did he call him? A Sam? Powder Powder puff. Wales. <laughs> Wales in Switzerland. No, Switzerland wasn't a powder. No, I
1: never called Switzerland a powderpuff. Right. That's what I just said. So yeah.
0: Sam, Sam, what are your thoughts? What do you got?
1: Um, Yeah, it seems like a good move. I mean, it didn't seem like he was getting the the amount of time he had hoped for, would have hoped for at Barcelona. Um, But I think the, the French League has been a fantastic launchpad for a lot of really good young players recently and sort of become the, I mean, I think they've even branded it as such, you know, it's like the stars of tomorrow, today kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a great spot for him to end up. way is there as well. I, I am not,
0: mm-hmm. I am impressed with him individually on the ball, but he yeah. has not been impactful yet. So, uh, you know, I, I wait for that. I think this was interesting news guys, as we continue to battle the coronavirus around the world, America is in a great position now, as opposed to, um, you know, how it was, we've really made up some ground. Um, but this Delta variant is out there now. And uh, I thought this was interesting. The government of Qatar is requiring all fans to be vaccinated against COVID before they come out to the World Cup. So I don't know how many non-vax people are going to be getting on a plane, flying a cutter and uh, and going to World Cup games. So I think they'll be OK, which speaks to. I mean, buying you, guys a million. Actually have, you guys actually have your card. Uh, I do. Vaccination card.
1: Yes. Sam? Yes. Yeah, I do. I'm still they're selling it for going $250, the
0: by the way, in
2: the street. They're forged right. copies that people are using to go back to work because a lot of companies are basically mandating that you need to be vaccinated. And there are a lot of people out there, as we know, who don't don't want their rights tread on. So they're not going to get vaccinated, but they're going to buy a $250 card to say they were vaccinated. Wow. So that's, that's a good way
0: of, great, great way to lose your job, I would agree. Yeah, exactly. All right. And speaking about a man who has not lost his job but retired, uh, coming up on Over the Ball, we get to sit down and and catch up with our old friend, uh, Bob Lee. Old in the sense that we've known him for a long time, and he's been a friend of the show here. Um, So, all right, you're listening to Over the Ball. Stick around. Bob Lee, he's up next. Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Go to socceramerica.com/slash/join and sign up for the Soccer America Pro membership. It's just four dollars and ninety cents a month, or forty-nine dollars a year. And by Ticket IQ, the simplest and cheapest way to buy tickets, go to ticketiq.com and when it asks for the promo code, punch in OTB10 for ten dollars off of your purchase. Can't lose. Hey, joining us now on Over the Ball, uh, a returning champion here at uh, Over the Ball. He's a multi, multi and multi Emmy Award winner for his large body of work at ESPN, longtime host of Outside the Lines. And the man we currently miss the most with his work is the studio host for the Euros and World Cup matches of the past, Bob Lee. Welcome back to Over the Ball. How are you, Bob?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm living large and loving life. So I'm watching. I'm watching along with everybody else as much as I can.
0: That's what I'm saying. You're a, probably at an undisclosed location right now, enjoying retirement with me you and Dick right Cheney away. sitting right here. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but now you've got grandkids and uh, that's awesome. you get to spend some time with them. You, I, when I was at ESPN, you were the hardest working man in the building. I used to work like two hours a week and you'd be there for hours. You'd, you'd be there when I got there, be there when I left. It was ridiculous and um so if that wasn't tough enough then you probably had to sit through that mets loss last night 20.
3: No, I, I left, <laughs> when they got up to nine i, I left and went <laughs> to watch a british uh, soap opera that is
2: that out. the cutoff nine is what you move to another channel well
3: it, plus i'm saving you know, i have to i'm investing three hours tonight because as we speak Degrom is pitching tonight i saw him Ooh. pitch in person about three weeks ago and it's it's you know it's one of those things you're going to want to tell your grandkids about when they're old enough to understand baseball oh so nice
0: yeah. All right. So, so Bob, it's been a weird experience for us as soccer fans to watch the Euros and with ESPN covering them. And there's no general there. There's no stop. Bob Lee running, uh, you know, no, the, man no, no, behind, the magic stop. man stop. behind stop. the curtain. No, look, dude, uh, you got to take your, uh, you got to take your compliments, but we, we miss you on there. Um, but I bet you you're, you're probably not even watching the Euros now. I'm Maybe watching a convention. little bit,
3: a little bit here and there. I mean, you know, obviously he's, uh, I mean, I was just talking about Degrom. I was I was driving down to watch him pitch a few weeks ago, and I had the audio for the opener uh, of Euro going in my car, just listening to see how that would go. That was the same day. One of the many things I get a chance to do that I'm, I'm not tied to a desk. But it's um, it's fun. Uh, it's out of body, and I think I you know I'm able to watch. I think with a great appreciation um, for for having a sense of what it's like to do a a tournament like that remotely. We did the 2012 Euros remotely. Those were hosted in both Warsaw and Kiev in Poland and Ukraine. And we did it so effectively with our backdrops and our lighting. And we would have daylighting and night lighting in the respective cities. Um, And we never said we were there. Right. And I don't even, we didn't try to hide the fact that we were remote, but, you know, I was very specific with our, you know, now let's go to Poznan for the game, whatever. But I remember going out to dinner in the middle of the Euros, uh, one of the nights got home, one of the little, restaurant around the corner from our home. And the guy who owns a place, Rocky looks at what the hell are you doing here? You're in Ukraine. I mean, it, smart people <laughs> were, we had euchred into believing we were, um, you know, 9,000 or 8,000 miles away, whatever it is, but it's, it's a challenge. And, and for the coordinating producer, uh, it's a good friend of mine, Chris Alexopoulos and all the people, Zop, especially yeah, Zop, especially having pushed it off a year. Cause I had a sense of what their plans were going to be. If they had done it uh, based in London, And they had a very ambitious plan, uh, and they have to change it all. It involves your talent assignments, it involves COVID restrictions, it involves work visas for bringing people into the US and that's not easy. Um, It's a massive undertaking, arguably as maybe in some regards, even more complex than actually doing it from on the ground in continental
0: Europe. Now what about and what about being the host of it though? Because look, I think you know part of the excitement when you did the uh, the, the last World Cup. I mean, just you're along the River Seine and it was set up there. Well, I was in Euros, you mean in 2016? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's what it was, and it was just kind of you felt it. You felt really kind of excited. You wanted that to was one there. of the best gigs there, you know, because
3: it was 24 team tournament and it had so many rest days built in because it was the first time they'd expanded that side. They had more rest days than ever, and that leaves me and Jeremy Shap free. Where are we going today? We're We're just
0: dinners I know
3: and I uh, Shap and I've lived in London, in Paris twice now for extended periods and I, I know the city fairly well but he knows it like a native um and you know you can't go wrong you'd walk it's a great town for walking and whatnot and so to live in Paris for five weeks on somebody else's dime nice there's the cheap uh, thing
0: again you have to
3: try and find a bad meal uh but it you know but it adds listen there's no doubt and and, and probably more so really for the play by play people but being i mean Ian and Stuart were at Wembley the other day for England's victory and i mean, i remember texting Zappa just about 10 minutes into the game i said Ian's on another level you can hear it in his voice he's up here first England are, England are playing and 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 Ian's doing the game but he's at Wembley yeah. And that just it it brings your you're just human. Plus, it increases your ability to see things that the camera is not showing you to swivel your head where where the camera at the moment's not going. And and for the host, same thing, you you get up in the morning, you read the local papers, um, you know, you talk to people at the press center, uh, and you can still do that if you're not there, but not it, it's not as organic when you when you are part of it, the fabric of the culture and the country, right? You absorb the excitement and that comes across. Um, but you're not afforded that opportunity. And I'll tell you this, quite frankly. Um, You know, and I, I watch, you know, what a big Mets fan I am. And I'm watching, uh, you know, I, I guess the Mets aren't at 85%. So their, their media team can't travel with them uh, as far as a vaccination level. Right. But every company is looking at, and I said this a year and a half ago when the COVID uh, pandemic began, every company is looking at what we're saving, what we are saving as a company by not traveling talent and it's making a big difference. So on the other side of this, God willing at some point when this is under control globally, don't expect to see us as a broadcast industry globally back to where we were traveling to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it has changed permanently because of the economics and it's a shame, but it's understandable because uh, companies are in business to make money not not to titillate you.
0: Right. So if they save money on not going to the actual sites, then they'll just pass that on to the cable subscribers. I'm sure that's saving what's cable. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what is cable? Well the
3: first things I did when I retired was uh when we moved uh from Connecticut to another location was to uh just cut the cord and my cost. Wow. So I'm I'm streaming everything. I mean I you know so. Bob uh, Lee cut I, I the really cord. table. I, I, you know, I, I have the, I have the loyalty of a hungry dog. Forget
2: about it. <laughs> Grail. Yeah. Uh, great having you, Bob. I, you kind of preempted my question, but I, I was just curious, you know, getting into the kind of production element of it that you were talking about. Do you think that like an ESPN has gotten to the point you kind of referenced it, but where they feel that the viewer has accepted a new normal And they can, you know, to your point, it's like a cost savings thing, but they're just, they're just ways to do things infinitely less expensively without, without, you know, pissing off the viewing public. I mean, what, what, where's that fine line? Because, you know, you don't want to go too far when all of a sudden your people are just saying, hey, this is not what I would have, what I'm used to.
3: But it's, it's all, uh, there are a lot of things grail under that rubric which is the belief in the broadcast industry that people watch games because of who's announcing them. And I speak Mm -hmm. as a guy who made a a very decent living for four decades being on television, but I I don't think I was ever stupid enough to believe people are watching event X, Y, or Z because I'm involved with it. I'm doing a hell of a job. I think I bring a lot to the table. I think I do a good job, Uh, but I'm I'm not, you know, when you see Tony Romo being paid on average, what is it, a million dollars a game to do the NFL? Mm At some point, uh, you ask yourself, well, why are they spending that money? Well, one of the reasons CBS is spending that money is to impress the NFL with their level of commitment because they're kissing the NFL's butt because the NFL is the most prized TV possession and they fight networks and streaming companies will uh, fight over scraps of it. But do you think anybody at home It makes a damn bit of difference who's doing the game especially since you can bet on everything in micro bets in the moment so now extend that to the idea that people it's going to make a difference whether especially for a regular season nba game whether you're sitting in a booth in bristol you're at the game when the difference in terms of the production i mean number of cameras on the game the the travel and substance for for the for the production crew i mean it's so high up into five figures a game and you know, and it, 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 the whole the whole firmament the whole paradigm of broadcast sports has has shifted. It's mm-hmm. about doing it as ex- expediently and as as economically as we can.
0: Yeah, and then that's the internet and podcasts and all those things that tie into this, like sort of you know the attention span is shorter and all that. But I gotta say, I, I disagree on the on the point where to watch. And not, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt like the you know the uh, they do for the NFL, but there was some comfort food in the fact that I would watch you and Lexi would be there. And I I get
3: that there's a familiarity and and I feel the same way. And I'll, I'll turn on sports center uh, and I don't, I'm I'm not a regular sports interviewer. I just don't watch a lot of television. Um, But if you know, we're all creatures of habit and familiarity. Mm -hmm. And so if I see people I know, who I've worked with, who I, some of them are, are friends and some are very good friends. I'm gonna stay a little longer, but I'm in a unique situation. I turn on SportsCenter and I see a couple of folks who are newer to the ESPN family, I've never met with them. I, don't, I may not even, I have to double clutch for their name or they don't lower third them, which is a mistake if they're new. Uh, maybe I don't stay as long, but you know, so there is that familiarity factor, but I don't know that that is perceived at an administrative and management level as to be such an important factor. As to you know, really, you know, how what is that worth? You have to quantify it in terms of dollars. Well, you, and, and networks are making hard decisions on what a small number of people are that, that exist in that bubble that will spend, will break the bank, or come close to breaking the bank on him or her. But for everybody else, huh, It's a brave new world, and it's a hurtful new world.
0: Actually, yeah, cause you, you you touch on a, a bunch of things there, Bob. But you know, one I had always heard that Sports Center didn't want any stars because if you have a star, yeah. they have to pay you. The other thing is, I like, if you look at like TNT and their basketball broadcast, that's people feel like, ah, here we go, game time. Uh, you know, I'm watching with soccer. You got Stu Holden's on Fox, and he's on ESPN, then he's on TNT, and Kate Abdo's going here, and everybody has an English accent. It's like I don't even know. The right. players, there's no brand loyalty as far as the journalist going to like, you are a CBS talent or you are an ABC talent or. You know, and to well, see you know why brief- that is?
3: I mean, there's a real good reason it is because to to make the money that that those positions may have been paying three to five or seven years ago. If you were in that field, you're going to have to cobble together a bunch of different um, gigs. Right. And companies, you know, and most companies, I think, are understanding of the point where, you know, they'll give you non-exclusivity. And the understanding of that, you know, we're going to used to make, well, we're, that's right. We're not using the video. My hand is way up folks. <laughs> now my hand is a lot lower. Now we're offering to pay you that. and in return, we'll, we'll, There's
0: a TV guy right there. <laughs> we'll, we'll,
3: we'll make you, we'll make you the, you know, a free, a free agent out of season to do this that, and the other thing. And so you can bounce around, but yeah, I, I, I things have changed. And I, I the last thing I want to sound like is, you know, and I, any of us, I think, want to sound like like we're all sitting together on on the front porch, like Clint Eastwood get off my lawn. Right. Uh, but things have changed, uh, and and so uh, you don't have to embrace and accept it, but you need to recognize
0: and work with it. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: All right, Sam. Yeah, Bob, uh, one of my favorite things about the Euros is uh, that we get all these different viewpoints. We get all these analysts coming from all over the world. And uh, I'm just curious what that experience is like working with those people who oh. maybe don't have a background in American television. And you're kind of at the heart trying to wrangle and mediate all these these different viewpoints and uh, approaches. And
3: translate. Uh, well, you know, I, first off, I give huge props to any person who's working in a second language. And I remember when one of the uh, ESPN Mexico talent, uh, they did a, uh, a bilingual game on Monday Night Football, and he had a little moment when, you know, he, he, he stumbled and the internet shoot this fellow up and I, I did a commentary defending him and I talked about all the, I tried once to do Once I was on a Costa Rica, no, I was in uh, Honduras covering a World Cup qualifier and a guy recognized me and I, I can understand enough Soccer Spanish to get around a match. If I need to get the lineup or ask a, a simple question, uh, uh, can I interview you in Spanish? Uh, I said, oh, "This is not a good idea." And We started. <laughs> That's like, brave. <laughs> but I, and, I, and we we stopped after twenty seconds. So this is not going to work. I'm going to embarrass myself. But worse than that, you're not going to get what you want. We over to so English. Having said
0: that, Hola, you know, mi nombre is Well,
3: you know, and, and I would I would sit at the table at these World Cups. And, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann, who speaks perfect colloquial English, but still, you know, you have to think, you know, it said, you know, a language when you begin to dream and think in that language, um, right. Gilberto Silva, whose English I would put is as good, but not great, but had brilliant observations. Uh, Steve McMenamin, who speaks what they call, you know, just I don't know language. what he
0: speaks, man, <laughs> you know, uh,
3: <laughs> all of these people who, who speak all these languages. Um, I, it's incredibly liberating. And I have great admiration for them when you put them together. The best thing you can do, guys, and I think we achieved that in South Africa. And they they, they tasked me and Torrico and Fowler with you know keeping things on time, keeping things moving, interjecting, getting everything covered. But let's you know make it like it's we're sitting at the bar at the Hyatt on Oxford Road in Johannesburg where we live for six weeks, and that we're just talking after the game. And I think we achieved that. I said, you guys talking to my co you know my, my analysts, don't worry about these frigging cameras, don't worry about time. It's my job. I'll take care of it. And integrating all of those guys together, you know, there'd be days, you know, three or four days. Of the, I, the only natural English speaker I would work with, or native, would be Alexi Molos. But Roberto Martinez, who is, my God, he speaks three or four languages. Got a lot of Spanish. I think he speaks French. Probably has to to be on the Belgian team manager. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story about him in a minute. But you know, they all found the lingua franca of the world is English. So they they found their way to that. Uh, but when you get those opinions and you get just you know light a match and step back and let them go at each other is that right you really think that I think one of the best moments I saw on the euro coverage for ESPN just recently before the game before the last England game uh, against Germany and, and all you have to do is say England Germany Wembley and you're there I mean I, you know your your heart beats faster McMeneman. Was great. Maca was great in the pregame, just bashing uh, Garrett Southgate's line, lineup as being reactive and not proactive and not offensive right. and leaving too many creative people on the bench. And the game is over, and of course it's 2 0 and England are having a holiday, and and, yeah. and Germany are leaving, and and Maca sticks to his guns, and that's what that's what you pay for. And you know you've got a guy like him who, a European Cup winner, the first year you know, Englishman to play on the continent. I mean, he's got balls, and he's stuck yeah. by it, and and he wasn't alone in that, and that's great.
0: Let me ask you this. So, uh, so I've gone, uh, I've I've tweeted some things about Sebastian Salazar, who I think does a good job. But what what drives me crazy about it is, um, you know, God, he seems out of his element, a little young and not quite there yet. But anyway, he does, he throws the Spanish word in, and the guys are tired of me talking about this, but he'll be in the middle of a sentence and he he speaks perfect English. It seems like English might be his first language. I'm not sure, but. Throw in a Spanish word there. He's like, you know, they were, you know, playing in Mexico or Salia. And it's, I wonder, it annoys me because it takes me out of the moment. I feel like I'm watching an American broadcast and all of a sudden someone's telling me they had, they speak Spanish. And it's sort of like Mexico is Mexico and Mexico is in Spanish. So if you're going to do it for Spanish, why not French? Why not Ukrainian? Why not but, Russian? Why not German? You know, Yeah. You know. I understand what you're saying. I'll tell you during the Euros,
3: which were based in, 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 in France. I speak a little French. I studied it way back when I was in short pants in school. So it's impossible for me to see the arch of triumph, Loc de triomphe. Right,
1: right, right. You know,
3: and, and it's just, it's ingrained in you. And in fact, you know, the makeup artists are complimenting me on my uh, on my accent. I said, yeah, but my conjugation sucks. I mean, it's been years. Yeah, it I mean, got, <laughs> got me. it got me, But, you know, so, you know, when you, you know, Paris, et Marseille, et tous les mots français, when you know how to speak it, I mean, you don't. You don't want to dumb down your 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 yeah. But but wait, Bob, you don't you you want, But I understand what you're
0: saying. Paris Saint Germain, Paris Saint Germain, or Paris Saint Germain. Not Saint Germain, Saint Germain, Saint yeah. yeah. So like you know, I remember listening to an NPR broadcast and the guy was talking and he goes, you know, uh, the prime minister Jean Bertrand Aristide. And you're like, oh, gosh, shut up, please. So all right. So Bob Lee says it's not well, a of a III Now says. Kevin is an
3: American.
0: Is <laughs> an American. Exactly. That's why I don't want to say Damn you know, it's it seems American. too much like that. So uh, guys, what else? I know you want to yeah. Take off a bag of ahead while you're at it.
2: So, so so Bob, one observation, which you can choose to respond to or not, and then one other question. Um, in, in terms of the hosts, I, I tend to find that the younger the host, the more quickly they speak. And I don't know if that's just a function of nerves mean, or whatever. Either the language? Well, no, no. Just their delivery tends to be a little more frenetic, right. and I don't know if it's just like you never rushed yourself, which is something I loved. And I just find that, uh, and again, I'm not jumping all over millennials, but they have a couple of young people that are hosting uh, the Euros, and I just find that they tend to be a little bit more frantic in their delivery. And I was just curious, without naming names, I'm no, curious. I,
3: I, all I could say is I. If you've got a good producer and they've got plenty of good producers, um, you know, after Iceland have knocked out France, the last thing you need at home to see is my ugly face, and who's ever sitting with me on the set, even though we're sitting there on the banks of the Seine and you can see the Eiffel Tower behind us, blah, blah, blah. You want to stay on the pictures, you want to be on the pitch. You have this world feed with you know, like 28 cameras. So the point is if you're if you've got pictures and you're using them, you have the ability to understand it, that the people at home, you know, this is this is a full sensory experience and nothing I say can overpower. You can compliment the pictures, you can capture them, you can annotate them, but you can't overcome them unless you've got something totally new and different to say. So I I don't know, I, I just, I, whenever I hosted uh, an event, World Cup, you know, in 2010, the Women's World Cup 2011, phone just, po- a picture just popped up on my phone the other night. It was 10 years since I took the picture in Berlin no. Uh, before the tournament, I'm having dinner with Mia, with Brandy, and with Julie. Justine yeah, Ham. Ham. Yeah, yeah it's just, and, and, and no, one other
2: person. Really? It's like tar- Charlie's Angels. Three, the picture <laughs> of Angels. three women
3: together, I mean, who are, you know, royalty. They, are, yeah. you know, From them, all greatness. And American women's soccer flows through several other generations. I just brought back some great memories. But when you're doing a major event like that, you're not just doing today's game. You're not just doing the match now and the one later in the day at 3.30 Eastern on all the ESPN platforms. It's like covering the political campaign. There's a there are long strands of storylines that you you want to you know bring about and why today's result could mean I mean especially in group play why this result affects what's happening in the next group with goal differential, and the personalities and the news and the fact that I mean how many great footballing nations have emerged from the wreckage of of uh, the Iron Curtain I mean Ukraine. Uh, was not an independent nation until 1991. Croatia, the same thing. They're World Cup finalists. I mean, all of those things that you can weave in to talking about the fact that, uh, you know, everyone in that, you know, cutaway of all the Croatian fans, they didn't have a nation. They were all having forced to root for Yugoslavia for years and years. I mean, Mm -hmm. small things like that. So there's an ability. Yes, there's the football. There's the result. Who scored the goals? Blah, blah, blah. But there's also the... The colors on the on the panel are many, and I that's what I really enjoyed about it because you had the chance to kind of set a a month long storyline.
0: Yeah, it, it really worked. It really worked. So I um, you know, it's funny, Grail. To your point, I know that in comedy, a young comedian gets up and they do talk fast and they swear a lot more because they're nervous. I think sometimes when you're kind of in your zone and you, you you know you're you're I don't know more confident and with your abilities, you kind of settle in and you just mm-hmm. sort of react and act. Um, so. I'll tell you that's
3: true because, you uh, you know, the viewers or listeners that aren't familiar, Kevin hosts and executive uh, director of the Nantucket Comedy Festival, which is coming up again. And you've been kind enough to involve me for the last decade. And I get to go out and introduce an event each year. And I got to have three or four or five jokes, most of which <laughs> will bob around your hair this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can remember...
3: <laughs> the first few years walking out, I'm like, I'm, there. I'm totally out of my element. I just want to get right. the, the, the lines work. But the last couple of years, and our late friend Vic Henley was watching from the, from the wings the last year, and like knowing about pacing, let the laughs play, enjoy yeah. it, take a beat, throw in an ad lib. But that only comes through experience. And I, that's me walking in your world, and I just have mm-hmm. insanely amount, uh, large amounts of of, of admiration for the people that make a living doing what you do, because it's, you're naked. You're absolutely naked. Well,
0: I take conversely, Bob, I, I did a, I did stand up, you know, I don't maybe a, probably a 500 seat theater one year up in Canada, in Toronto. And the guy who ran um, the, the sports up there, Sportsnet, goes, Hey, I want you to host, a soccer show for us. You'd be perfect. You, you play professionally. You're a stand-up comedian. You're in front of all those people. You're improving. you're doing all this. I'm like, great. Well, they fly me up there. First time I've ever worn an IFB. <laughs> it's a three or four camera shoot. And then I'm not following the premier league because this is before the premier league was, was here. So I'm like Aston Villa, like every word that I'm trying to pronounce is the first time I've heard it, you know, and there's the way to say it, uh, you know, to say the Etihad, you're just like Li- the et- the Etihad. It's like it was horrible. I just bombed. I, bombed like, I didn't know no, what camera Bill to look Walton, at. Horrible. Yeah, I always horrible. said, give comics a chance horrible. to learn, and we'll we'll learn it. But man, did I bomb that? thing. and the guy who was my friend, he had. Uh, was the executive producer of a show I did for the discovery channel after the second week, he goes, Oh, dude, I, I just can't give you another two weeks to get going. You're getting better, but not good enough. <laughs> All right, great. So, you know, I said, when I was in graduate school at BU, I got a job offer up in Maine to do the sports up there uh, way up in Bangor. And the guy says, oh, I do. The, I do it in my shorts, and I just i i uh I go in my flip flops, and I just push a button underneath, and the teleprompter moves. And because I'm all alone in a little studio, I'm like, like, well, that's how you learn, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you learn in the market, little baby. Yeah, the small market, and then you move up. So, uh, I think Sam, you got another question for, for uh, the general?
1: Yeah, um, I'm curious, Bob. As you've seen so many tournaments over the years, the uh, the sort of general consensus seems to be that the international game is. If not flagging, at least has been surpassed by the club game at the highest levels, and uh, I'm just curious what your what your take on that. If you agree with that, oh, I, I don't think there's
3: any doubt about that. I, I mean, okay. I, I saw something that really disturbed me about f- well, well before the Euros, but that there was consideration to making the World Cup biennial. I mean, ever since the, you know the Super League, may it rest in peace. Uh, a, a lot of faux <laughs> anger there because let's, let's all admit that if these club owners could have figured out a way to have done it with, with less antagonism, they would, they, they would be hailed as, as heroes, but yeah, there's no doubt. The champions league is a far better brand of soccer, but the, 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 the real big problem, I think for, for soccer, is just volume, especially with compressed fixtures uh, this year because of, of COVID, but these players are thought to, you know, they're ATMs for the owners and right. for TV keep grinding out, creating competitions, extra rounds, uh, play-ins, whatever. Uh, there's, there are only, there's only so much you can ask of the best players in the world. Uh, but yeah, to your basic point. Yeah. I mean, look, the world cup is great. It's a spectacle. It's like the Olympics. Mm -hmm. They're making up sports from focus groups and giving them Olympic gold medals. And to somebody who grew up watching, you know, you know, I can remember watching Bob Beeman. I can remember watching Peggy Fleming. I can remember, you know, the thrill of all these great Olympic moments that were classic. And now, you know, with the Olympic, I mean, all of this, it, you're yeah. going to put a red E next to this one. All this shit! In the Olympics, <laughs> I have no interest in watching. Right. But then I'm well, just—I'm an old guy. What can I say? I mean, well, you know, well, was the? Old, they old they old don't gym. care about me. They want—they want a younger audience. You know, oh, I, know. I mean, there's no glorious Olympic. Uh, ideal at play, except for the one that is called profitability, capitalism. No, I think
0: FIFA, FIFA, FIFA sees the World Cup as a big profit thing, and then all of a sudden they see Euros taking part of their money every two years. They want it every two years, you know, or whatever. So, And, and we know what they,
3: people they, would do in the pursuit of money, because that's been represented in court.
0: Huh? Oh, my goodness. I know. We, we covered that one here at ESPN. Um, yeah. But Jerry Seinfeld used to have that bit about the, what was it, the biathlon? He'd be like, the guy skis, and then he shoots. He goes, I, what? where is this? Like, why do we need this? It's like, you're going to swim and then strangle a guy. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, hey, so one thing that happened where uh, with this, and you know, you're talking about the players and their health and the amount of games that they're making them play. You didn't even say that at the NFL, how they wanted more preseason games it's where these guys insane. are just shortening their lives with every game they play. But uh, Christian Erickson having yeah. a cardiac arrest there on the field. It, it, I watched um, it went on for a long time. So, that's a lot of basically what dead air that has to be filled. Oh, in this not amount. a good choice of word. Yeah, not yeah. a good choice of words. I'd say I apologize for that. So I would say um, there's just a lot of stuff you have well, to cover, right? And I think for me it reminded me of when you did the um, when the earthquake hit and the when you 1989, were 1989. And I mean, you had a you had to suddenly go. You're not a sports journalist. You're suddenly a journalist, and you're reporting to the country what's going on. And that seemed like a big seminal moment, uh, you know, with with Ericsson And, and uh, I will say this, we missed you. Well, yeah. Look, The difficulty in addressing
3: something like Erickson's, uh condition or that, that horrible situation. And by the way, I mean, you talk about storylines, look at Denmark. I mean, like shades in oh, the, fantastic. like when they got famously called off the beach after Yugoslavia were, were banned. And so now Denmark could win this whole ball of wax. Um, and that'd be something, but, the difficulties are so many in a situation such as that. Beginning with, uh, you're sitting uh, thousands of miles away because of COVID. And even if you were reporting from the continent, you would not necessarily as host been at the game. We're even play by play, it might, might've been a remote game. Not okay. all the games, even in the best of cases, are called on site. You do not control the feed. There's a world feed, mm-hmm. and I, don't know whether, I think it's HBC. It was, there's a German company that historically, I don't know who does it any longer. It might still be the same company they they provide the world feed so they are making the shot selection so you're relying on somebody else to have the the sensitivity in the exact millisecond moment to not be too tight and not roll in something and make the decision we're not going to show is collapse again or if you are sending a note you know alert everybody along the line we're going to show it again in a minute and this is the only time we're showing it um and you know, there was that moment—the cutaway shots. It was clearly—I, I have never ever seen shots of people so distraught yeah. at, at, at an event because they could see things that we weren't being shown, and we we mm-hmm. didn't we, we we shouldn't have been shown them. But at one point too, there was a medium shot, and you could see them doing chest compressions. Right. I mean, it, it, look, it was a challenge for everybody. At one point, I mean, I, I was uh, texting with a friend of mine who's a—we are watching in real time. A buddy of mine is a, a noted journalist, and my phone goes with an alert that. Erickson is ESPN alert on my phone and he's receiving CPR, which I had seen the chest compressions. Okay. But it had yet to be reported in the game circumstance, which just shows you the complexity of trying to manage a situation like that. If you know, the distance compounds it, uh, the severity compounds it. And so you, you don't want to say the wrong thing you want, you know, you, you say nothing before you're sure that of whatever you can say, But you also have to treat the intelligence of the audience with some, you know, some seriousness, they've seen the chest compressions. Um, Taylor Twalman, I thought did an exceptional job, because he he had an outreach, I think, from a USOC and FIFA doctor, who told him about, you know, how you someone goes down on the pitch, first thing you look for is whether there was contact, they went back, looked at the tape, there was no contact, then you check for pulse. but all of that and how time is of the essence. Um, and he put, he put the doctor's name to it, you know, rather than just saying, you know. So I thought that was exceptional. It, it In the moment, we had no idea whether Erickson would survive. And let's face it, how many of us thought he would? Mm-hmm. Chest well, compressions well, and the reactions. Yeah. It was a miracle. Well,
2: uh, so it Bob, was, to it, that point, none, none hor- of it's us. A, it's
3: a horrible test for, for any network and, and everybody in the chain. And and it was every decision made correctly by everybody at every moment? I don't
0: Probably not around the world. Yeah. Well, I think all of us I, you know, he he couldn't have had a cardiac arrest in a better place other than maybe right on a hospital bed. He felt that he got a medical attention right away within a minute. And I think it, it scared me in the sense that, boy, if that every game that happens every Sunday morning somewhere across the country. So it was good. The, we can have these teachable moments. I think it's interesting, you know, to hear your thoughts on that. And, and also because um, ESPN seemed to come away uh, unscathed with that, that they did a good job. I think the BBC caught a lot of um, a lot of flack. What did they do differently? They, they showed some yeah, they, they showed you know the pictures or something. Where where was their criticism coming from? I,
3: I, I don't know. I, I do yeah. know that uh when when the still picture was shown finally of Erickson with his head up on the gurney being lifted off. I mean, that was the first sense I had, and probably the first sense most people around the world had that he was going to make it. And then about three hours later came the quote from the attending doctor saying he
0: was gone until they you know put the AED on. Him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. So, all right. Uh, so, all right, let's get back to your Mets. We'll end this on <laughs> kind of a comedic note. Um, all <laughs> <of the> chest. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta deal with these guys talking hockey every week too on this show. I think um, so. It's a of world sports out there. You get to be a spectator now and uh, I know you've got some beautiful grandkids and uh, they're going to be like, you know what they're going to say about, they're be like, did you ever work grandpa? Did you ever have a job? So they're not going to know.
3: Probably not an unfair uh Hold oh, on, this is unfair, but everybody at home, but there is. Uh, yeah, they uh, are adorable. Yeah. So, in fact, well, I, I just flew in um, yesterday, and my, my Grammy, my wife, I had, had one, she showed up at the airport with a little girl in the back seat, so that was the best part of the day.
0: Oh, Isn't so, that the best? I mean, it's amazing. It. I mean, I talk about like the, the feelings I've had with my daughter growing up, you know, and and they say it's it's multiplied as a grandparent. It's even more because it's like all the fun without all the responsibilities.
3: No responsibilities. Like, hey, it's like hey, diaper it's change. like being a TV talent. You can say anything. <laughs> it's with
0: yeah, it was live. It's gone. It's over. <laughs> All right, well, Bob, man, we appreciate it so much. Sure. You are taking the time uh, from your undisclosed location, your bunker, your retirement hovel. I'm going to see you out on Nantucket. That's you plug that. That's uh, it's going to be fun. We we have uh, July 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th. That whole week we'll be out on Nantucket. And what Bob does for those who I think we probably talked about it before in the show. Bob goes up. We have New York comedians versus Boston comedians, and every year it's that the show the show sold out this year in 70 minutes. So it was uh, it's something people want to see. And then Bob comes up on stage, and he sort of makes it into a sporting event. So it's a lot of fun. So uh, and it's all for a good cause for the Stand Up and Learn program for the kids um, to teach them stand up comedy because we want them to work at Uncle Bucky's Chuckle Hut in Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs>
3: exactly, <laughs> and if there's one thing the world needs, it's uh... Supporting a, a a charity on Nantucket.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's an oxymoron. It really is. It's the whole. I mean, gas project
3: jet, private fuel on for for jets through the roof. So we have to do
0: something. My old house, before when I had one and I wasn't divorced, was uh out by the airport, and they used to. There are more jets there than at Logan. Uh, private jets, more jets there, and it's the busiest airport uh, in the state. Uh, After Logan until the fog rolls in every day. Well, I I went in front of the town council. I said, guys, can we face the planes the other direction? Because these big corporate jets would just be like shooting exhaust out towards the street. And then eventually about a mile away is my house. So uh, I finally asked them to turn it around and they looked at each other and they're like, yeah, why don't we do that anyway? And they're like, I don't know. We never thought of it. So they turn the planes around the other way to face. Oh, the apron them.
3: of the the apron of the runway when they're when
0: they're. Oh, you using fancy aviation <laughs> no, <Yes>. I'm sorry. <laughs> With my 19 apron. hours of pilot instruction. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, Bob. Thanks so much for joining us right. on Over the Ball. We'll talk to you again, my friend. Thank you. Hey, remember to tweet us at Over the Ball, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and write a review. In fact, make us one of your favorites. It makes a big difference. Oh guys, how great was it to get caught up with Bob Lee? Huh? Oh man, do
2: we miss him? We miss, we miss him at all the key moments during the Euro's coverage. It's, especially Eriksson, he would have been like the Jim McKay during the Munich Olympics during that Ericsson yeah. moment, you know. But I think
0: we're we're dating ourselves there, Grail. I mean, well, uh, so so he's uh, our he's our Carson as far as uh, you know, late night television but with soccer yeah. and yeah. And, uh, and over at ESPN. So uh, all right, guys. So uh, we didn't talk about the euro as much. We did the quiz up top, but um, you know, been a fun euros. Uh, yeah, the numbers are good. Um, I've got a couple questions, trail. actually. Yeah,
2: because Sam Sam asked some questions, so I'm going to ask a couple. Right oh, now.
0: Okay. Sam, you so, okay with this? Or what? Not,
2: not I know I'm treading on Sam's turf a little bit because he is a very good questioner. Um, but uh, so yeah, nine own goals. So thus far in the tournament, which equals the total number of own goals scored across all previous Euros. It reminds me you of your, your four, how college much, career. Yeah, how about this? This is another great set. Four of the own goals have been by goalkeepers.
1: Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I know.
2: So I don't know if you guys saw that one in this the Spain match where Pedri knocked the ball back from 49 yards, and um, Simone. I think his Simone was the, the goalie went to trap it and just basically totally missed it, started to go after the ball. And then realized I can't get there. So I, I've oh. never seen any, it was the first time an own goal has been scored in the euros from outside of the box, let alone 49 yards.
0: Yeah. It reminded me a little bit, my freshman year at UMass, I'm playing outside midfield and the, the keeper punted the ball. And I ran into the center of the midfield, almost a little bit over halfway on the halfway line on our own goal side. And I knocked the ball back first time to the goalie. And it went, he was way off his line almost, he like looked up at me. It went over his head and went in. So I scored for Southern Connecticut. It was like my first touch of the ball for God's uh, (laughs) sakes. So any
2: idea, I'm just curious guys, any thoughts about why the, just the explosion of own goals? Is it are are guys faster? Are defenders less skilled? What is the deal with balls? Just like being
0: deflected off shins Uh, into goals. I don't know. You know, own goals. I don't know. My my opinion is own goals are part of the game. They always happen. I think, people playing at that level of intensity and that pressure. Yeah. Maybe things just, you know, it's a little more haphazard that way. Uh, Any thoughts, Sam, about net, what Sam? might
2: be account for it? Or is, is this just an anomaly? Is this just, I, hey, in this tournament there were a lot of wrong goals?
1: I think it's a little bit of an anomaly because a lot of them were, you know, guys trying to block a cross and it hit off their chest right. awkwardly yeah. and stuff. And I mean, you know, a few do stand out because they were kind of so spectacular. But I also think it's the end of a really, really long, grueling season. Mm-hmm. Guys yeah. are tired mentally. You know, you you make more of those kind of mistakes, I, I like would imagine. back
2: And then, the and then the from a concept concentration standpoint too, so 15 penalties awarded during the tournament thus far and seven have been missed. Ronaldo scored three without any problem. You know, but there have been seven out there that have been missed.
0: You know, that speaks to something else, which is the difficulty of taking a penalty kick, not just the psychological baggage that you have. But, I mean, hey, look, man, people miss PKs. You either go shoot a wide, shoot a high, goalkeeper makes a great save. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a real head scratcher, man. It was when you step up to take a PK, all the things that run through your mind. Yeah. Mbappe, I knew he was going to miss that. Man. I did too. He's, I, he he's had, not he his had, own.
2: Well, he had had such a tough match. He had missed a chance to score the winner an extra time when he shanked that ball from in close. And I just, the body language did not look good when he stepped up to that now, penalty.
0: And conversely, when Polišic grabbed that ball with yeah. such determination, you know, the, the, the emotional follows the physical. And so yeah. I watched him grab that ball. I want this. I need this. I'm doing it. It was like, Mbappe was like, uh kind of, he was looking around and I looked, I don't know the old trick, but I remember the guys, I I don't even know if this applies anymore, but goalkeepers used to tell me guys always put the ball down and they, and then they quickly glance at where they're going to put it. And Uh. so he, if you watch Mbappe, he put it down, he looked up to his left. I go, he's going to go up to his left. Now it wasn't up in the corner. Uh, like uh, Pulisic had done, it, but he- it was it was a nervous penalty. He
2: guided nervous it. He, he, look, we all play the game. We know we could tell what he did. He get, he w- willed it. He was willing it into the net instead right. of just pounding it the way the he other.
0: He just wanted guys to put hit. it on net. And I yes, think, uh, that's. Not I
1: also that think. Level. yeah sorry, sorry to interrupt. I also think there's a lot more data nowadays on where people go, where they shoot, the trends and everything. So I think right. it's gotten a little bit easier for goalkeepers in that regard, and unless. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're you someone like Ronaldo, you can put it anywhere you want, right? Yeah. And he always mixes it up. But guys who have kind of a, a go-to are in a little bit of a tough spot. I feel like Kane and Ronaldo are just automatic. Like guys, if was, everybody was,
0: has the skill yeah. at that level to put it in the back of the net. What yeah. what enters is the psychological uh, elements. And Mbappe, the fact that he was playing so poorly, especially a striker, they just get in their head and they they don't want it. You know, I mean, as a midfielder, you kind of get, well, I'll get dug in, I'll get goal side. I'll win some balls. I'll knock it first time. You can get back in your rhythm that way. Goal scorers have to score. And they may just not
2: practice them as much. I mean, we used to always practice penalties, not at the end of every practice, but the guys that knew that they were, I I was always a penalty taker. So I would always hit a few penalties at the end of it, just to, you know, get comfortable.
0: Right. Right. Well, so, we, all can't, we all can't be grail Hallets. Well, <laughs> we well
2: you know, it's funny because Mbappe texted me after the match and I put a sh- put a hand, an arm around his shoulder from a distance and said, it's okay, Killian. It.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, good stuff. <laughs> hey, and I think, um, Sam, I think I misspoke. I think when I was talking about, they said that black guy, it was a
1: Romanian yeah, so I uh, Romanian, right.
0: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, which, yeah. they've had some struggles in the past with racism. So there's a little bit of a history there. A lot of these Eastern European countries or former, formerly Soviet Union type countries have had racial problems. I mean, most of the time we mentioned the MLS one, but most of the time it's been from Eastern Europe that we talk about it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. almost every week it seems. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, guys. Well. Uh, this Big quarterfinals
2: coming up, Flunny. Let's no, just no. hope they can live up to what the what those round of sixteen matches were because there were some mm-hmm. gems.
0: I, I tell you, my girlfriend is like she's coming out. You know, she's working from home and she be she keeps walking and going. You're watching more soccer. I'm like, yeah 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 she goes you've been, you've been sitting on the couch all day i'm like i i, I know there 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 were two games kind of back to back and then there's the euro show in between <laughs> sorry i'm not getting anything done yeah oh my god it's terrible i'm trying to pretend it's a wonderful you know? time yeah it really is for <laughs> soccer people so yeah. uh i thank i thank my girlfriend for understanding eventually so okay boys that's all the time we have today on otb i'd like to thank uh our guest the general mr bob lee Uh, enjoying his retirement uh, somewhere out there in America Uh, for Grail Hallett and Sam Griswold. I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time on OTB.